Indigenous community. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without division in community, and where we want you to remember how to think instead of tell you what to think. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher, creative director here at Hill City, and I'm just chiming in real quick with a production note. Um, this is part two of a two-part conversation that we had around the recent Christianity Today articles calling for Trump's removal, and just also evangelicalism in the West uh, in general. Um, so uh, John is not here with me right now. I just wanted to tell you all that what you're about to hear is the second part of a conversation. If you did not listen to part one, go back and do that now, and uh, we will now go to the conversation already in progress. Well, you know, I th- I think I wanted to kind of talk about, or, or you were talking earlier, and I wanted to hear more about a semantic issue that we're having, which is this difference between like evangelicalism and fundamentalism, because it's funny. You don't really hear fundamentalist anymore. (laughs) The only time you hear it is from a radical terrorist, right? A fundamental terrorist or Westboro Baptist, Hmm. almost some of the most hateful people you'll be around that label themselves as Christians, but Hmm. they're a hate group, Hmm. you know? And so those are the people that are labeled as fundamentalists, which maybe this is a false memory. Um, So I'll preface that. I seem to remember Franklin Graham and Jerry Falwell and those guys being referred to by their opponents as fundamentalists. Now yeah. all of a sudden they're evangelicals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, no, that's a great point. And, and I think it's something like even when you hear the uh, statistic, 81% of evangelicals voted. And that is such a skewed statistic uh, that I can't even describe to you how skewed it is because it's it doesn't even make sense in so many different ways, but that is the narrative that's out there. But I think part of it is because people, and in particular, even like kind of the more liberal side of the media, don't even understand the nuances of what evangelical means or the kind of people that are th- are in it. And so uh, part of what I'm going to do, and, and listen to all this, and this is going to take a few minutes to get through because, but I do think it's important. Uh, I was listening to a podcast uh, that I really do enjoy. It's called The Holy Post. And um they did some of this, and I added a little bit to it, but uh, they started talking about the difference between what once was a fundamentalist and an evangelical, and how it all started and where it goes. Now, everyone now is basically lumped into an evangelical. So you might have a conservative evangelical, but they if you're a conservative evangelical, you would have been a fundamentalist you know, several decades ago. Um, but now everyone's kind of lumped into this idea of evangelical. And so, but there's a nuance that happens within it that is actually like really important. So when you think about a fundamentalist actually started in 1910. All right. So there were these papers that were produced, the fundamentalist papers from 1910 and 1915 as a way to kind of combat some modern theology that we're moving away from. All right, and so then from that point on, there were some different things that were happening, but this guy, Harold Ockengay, came in in the 1940s, and he started uh, War Relief, which then became World Relief, which we um, now know, and he also started the National Evangelical Movement, and so what he was ultimately really concerned about was um, that the fundamentalists, they had this like traces of racism in a lot of things that they did. Uh, there was this us versus them mindset. Um they would police people's beliefs 
you know, say who's in and out, that kind of thing. And so he wanted to create something a little different for people. There's a whole host of Christians that were thinking so differently. And so what ended up happening was it really started in the late 40s, but and into the 50s, it was the fundamentalists versus the evangelicals. And so that really constituted a large portion of the, the church. And um, Billy Graham then comes in play, and he was actually an evangelical. He was not a fundamentalist. And so, um, and I say that because uh, like he was okay with evolution, and he was fine with it. He's like, that's if that's the way God did it, that's the way God did it. He was fine with an older Earth model. He um, really wanted a big tent. Like he was very. I know people like kind of nitpick Billy Graham, but he was doing some things even with race at that point in time that nobody else was really doing. And and so he was uh, really separate from the fundamentalist movement. And so what it, what they decided to do was Billy Graham and and Harold and some other guys like they decided to start Christianity Today. Um, which is where we get this. And then what ended up happening was um, Jerry Falwell Sr. and Bob Jones, which is from Bob Jones University, um, they were battling Billy Graham a lot and disagreed with his theology. Uh, They didn't want him to speak anywhere near their campuses. And so it was a pretty um, hostile environment um, back then. And so then what started to happen is in the midst of that, the 1960s, the civil rights movement happened. Then you had some pastors that came out in favor of segregation, people like Bob Jones leading the charge. Um, Jerry Falwell was another one. Uh, and some pretty big pastors were honestly trying to figure out how to keep their schools in particular um, segregated. Well, and they, in a lot of instances, I've been reading about this uh it, they made it a religious liberties issue. Correct. They made yeah. it like you can't, the government can't come after our Christian schools. They're coming after us because we're teaching the Bible. And it's like, nah, they're coming after you because you won't let black people Correct. in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so what started to happen, and I'll go back a little bit on that, but like they, the Everson versus the Board of Education was 1947. And then they wanted to put this high wall between church and state. So that was like banning prayer in schools and stuff like that. And so, all of this was kind of happening all at the same time in the 40s, the 50s, and the 60s. And Falwell and Jones were actually big players in all of this stuff. And so um, what also was happening that people don't ever talk about is in the 60s, the feminist movement became so you know such a big deal. But uh, the very conservative Christians uh, doubled down on the kind of the patriarchal system. So they dug their heels in. And so they were facing this idea, the fundamentalists were facing this idea of how do we make sure women stay in their place? How do we keep things segregated? How do we keep, to their perspective, teaching the Bible and teaching Jesus? And so you had people like Billy Graham trying to push kind of evangelicals being like, no, 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 this is not what we do, that kind of thing. So 70s happened. Bob Jones gets sued for the um, segregation stuff. Um, Tax-exempt tax status is revoked. Um, Bob Jones and Jerry Fowell just essentially freak out about all of it. Um, and this is how the moral majority was formed. And so it was based off of, uh, honestly, it was based off of segregation. It was not based off of anything else in the beginning. It was They were trying to keep their tax-exempt status in play, which is money in their pockets and everything. And so what ended up happening is everyone, mm, that's not a fair statement, so many people um, realized racism was wrong <laughs> and segregation was wrong, and in particular in the church. And so what started to happen was uh, a lot of white pastors and white churches started saying, like, actually, we're not with you, Bob Jones. We're not with you, Jerry Falwell, on this. We're on the kind of Billy Graham side of things. And the evangelical movement started growing like crazy. 
And those two guys saw this gap happening and they didn't know what to do with it at that point in time. So they had to figure out something that could bring a fundamentalist and a evangelical together. Because here's the fundamentalists and evangelicals actually agree on a lot of things. They agree on uh, the inspiration of the word of God. They agree on all the core tenets of Jesus, like being the son of God, that he died and then he rose again, and that there are eternal hope in the kingdom of God. So they agree on a lot of like really big um, kind of Christian concepts in uh, Orthodox Christian faith, but they had Falwell and Jones had to figure out something that could bring Billy Graham to the table and some of the guys from the evangelical movement, and that issue was abortion. So in the 70s, about five years or so after Roe versus Wade, um, churches then got involved publicly and with law and policy to try you know, in reverse Roe versus Wade or try to figure out abortion became this big rallying point. And then the moral majority that had been established and Billy Graham was like, I can get behind, you know, anti-abortion stuff. And so um, that's when abortion became actually the bigger deal. Prior to that, there were Christians that were very much against abortion, but what, how they tried to alleviate it or help with it was actually in non-law ways. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but when it got moved in the moral majority became all about politics and everything. Then the church then jumps in in such a large way in the seventies there. So abortion became a rallying point. Yeah. And it really, like you said, it, it really didn't become, um, if you're interested in this stuff, a name to search is I, I think it's Paul Weyrich or Weyrich. He was a, uh, conservative fundamentalist, um, uh, activist. And he's on record as saying, from from the time of Brown versus the Board of Education, we tried a bunch of different things. We tried uh, this social issue, that social issue to try to rally everybody. And it really wasn't until Roe v. Wade was passed that we found one that we could get everybody behind. But even like um, to, to sort of paint the picture that everyone was on the same page prior to that, um, you know, all the evangelicals and the fundamentalists were like the one thing they could agree on was abortion and then and then 1979 which was yeah like five years i think after roe v wade they suddenly united i mean um i read uh pastor criswell or reverend criswell which is he was like a super conservative uh he was the president of the southern baptist convention i think at one point he's like on record as saying oh i actually always thought you know it was always my belief that uh child life didn't start until after it was separate from the mother yeah and he went back on that years later but it was like it was kind of scattered all over the place, and it really was like th- a big push uh, during the Carter administration yeah. to get everybody on the same page and to kind of paint it that way and to use Roe v. Wade. But the fact that it took so long after it actually passed, it's just – it's not that they're wrong. It's just not the story we're told. You yeah, know, and there was, the there was some things with science that came into play that people right. didn't know about too. But, like, yeah, that became the rallying cry. And then, you know, of course, then when Reagan got into office as well um, – a lot of people don't know when he was governor, he actually of California, he was credited with like the most um, liberal um, putting into law, the most liberal thing for laws for abortion to have abortions in California. And so then when he got kind of hooked in with a moral majority, things changed there. But um, so that became like the big thing in the seventies. And so then we kind of, you know, move on from there. But I, I did want to highlight, so just to give people like the difference between a fundamentalist and an evangelical or or how to recognize a fundamentalist um, would probably be a better way to describe it because there is a nuance there. Now, again, don't go around calling people a fundamentalist. Like that's not, 
that's not cool. <laughs> that's yeah. not, you know, um, I would just say to recognize like a really conservative evangelical. Um, and, and so here are just kind of six big things that you'll see. Um, they'll use, they want to declare war against everything. Like there'll be like a, a there's a love of us versus them mindset. Um, so there's a lot of um, fear-based language. Um, certain, like they'll say things like, man, if this happens, like that group's going to take over. Or they'll like talk how evil is o- overwhelming everything. Um, or if we don't do this, like it's a slippery slope and then all hell is going to break loose, you know. But it's funny, like this stuff, and you'll love this part. Um, this goes way back. Like uh, there's like on record this guy, Jedediah Morris in the late 1700s. He was a Massachusetts minister. And I just laughed when I read this because like, I was like, this would be like Matt's like <laughs> place. But he, he said that the Bavarian uh, Illuminati had infiltrated American Christianity. <laughs> so Look, don't discount <laughs> it right out, okay? <laughs> But anyway, so like there's stuff like that. There's always been stuff like that, you know, but but there is like this big like us versus them. And here's the thing that people also don't realize um, that when Russia and uh, the U.S. were at the height of the Cold War and everything with Gorbachev and, and all of that, where there was tension, like, are they going to send a nuclear bomb? Like all those things churches really rallied around kind of end times prophecy and the beast from the north and all these different things that also fed into this mindset of having a fear-based us versus them thing. The second thing that you'll you'll hear is a deep resentment towards media. Um, and um, so this is again uh, this has been happening since 1925 with William James Bryant in the Scopes Monkey Trial um, where essentially all of the mainstream media made fun of conservative Christians and it's on record of that happening but Bryant was a Democrat but he was conservative theologically and one of the most popular people in America at the time and so what ended up happening is he got on the stand and his faith was being questioned and so the media picked up on it and started picking apart some maybe some unscientific beliefs that Christians had and then Christians got so deeply offended by it that they pulled back from all things media early on and um, that was until actually you know uh, Jerry Falwell when he got kind of re-engaged the moral majority he re-engaged really aggressively and um, was started to be kind of like the first fake news kind of thing was back in the 60s and 70s um the other thing so the third thing would be so you got they want to declare war uh the deep resentment towards media you'll see um they want a small tent like who's in who's out that was the biggest problem with billy graham billy graham had a huge tent and not because he had a million people coming to hear him speak, literally. Um, it was because he believed that much in the grace of God. And um, and so he really loved this idea of creating a, a bigger net for um, uh, people to be a part of. And, um, and him and actually this other guy, uh, Harry Fosdick, out of New York, um, who Martin Luther King called him the greatest preacher of the, cent- of the century, um, but fundamentalists like, just considered him a radical. But you read some of his sermons and you're like, no, that's right. <laughs> you know, that's right. Um, but he was just fighting for a larger tent. Um, this is before Billy Graham, but he was he was with uh, William James Bryant, like, and so they were. Anyway, they they were that was like considered like the evangelicals. They were anti kind of the fundamentalist movement, and they wanted a larger tent. Um, number four, there's an obsession with eschatology, which is kind of the end of the world uh, way of thinking. Um, so, you, what happens is is a, a fundamental. So what. An evangelical will talk about is how do we improve the world that we're living in? And then a more conservative evangelical or what used to be considered a fundamentalist would have been in the place of like the world's ending, here are the signs, and this is the rapture, and kind of really worried about all of that and became uh, obsessed with biblical prophecy and like Israel, you know, is such a, a big thing. In 1948, Israel becomes 
a country and the prophecies start going like crazy. Like this is it. We're actually hearing this now um, with the latest stuff with Iran. You know, people are saying this is it. Like this is fulfilling the prophecies that have been told. But I just be honest, like there's just there's way more to theology than that stuff. And um, yeah, uh, just real quick. Yeah. (laughs) Prophecies are not fortune telling. (laughs) They're a mixture of (laughs) poetry, political. uh, Yeah like allegory and also a little bit of here's what might happen in the future. <laughs> yes. And and not to mention just like thinking about some of it a little bit on the more logical side, like in terms of even Israel, like I'm all for the protection of people in Israel and things like that, like that, you know, I get that. You don't want to wipe out people. Um, however, here's just the reality. The second Jesus died and rose again, the whole entire world became his holy land. So like that is a, a part of kind of how we think about that. If you want to, if you want to Google somebody like around this, Google N.T. Wright in the end times. Like he is brilliant around it. Um, the fifth thing. So we've got you want to declare war, deep resentment towards media, small tent versus large tent, um, obsession with eschatology. The fifth thing that you'll see in more kind of conservative evangelical will be a deep mistrust of modern science. Um, so it used to be about evolution in, uh, young earth. Well, actually that still <laughs> is there. Um, there's a big move, you know, to pull kids out of um uh christians used to teach like starting in the early 1900s and stuff like that they would try to teach alternate science and wanted to pull their kids out it's still a big thing now um it's interesting and even pat robertson who's you know you would lump him into more conservative evangelical even him recently being like you know what the earth's old (laughs) you know so and so even him but that used to be a big thing now it's around climate change you know, you'll see more fundamentalist, or I guess I'm saying that, more conservative evangelical Christians being like climate change is junk, like kind of stuff. And so you'll, you'll see this deep mistrust of science. The sixth thing that you'll see is the tribalism. Like that's like a, a big thing. And, and oftentimes some traces of racism in there uh, will, will be around that. Um, you know, in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, Christian denominations were actually heavily involved in political decisions around race. Um, and then um, that began to shift a little bit. But uh, I was reading uh, one guy was talking about how one of the reasons that Islam grew so much um, here in America, uh, in the black community, um, was because uh, white Christians were silent on racism. And, um, and so when the black community started hearing a lot of that, or seeing a lot of that, and seeing that oh, well, you say you follow Jesus, and so do I, but you're being silent on this. Like, they started being more drawn to this, like, Islamic belief. And they came in and started saying, like, it shouldn't be this way. And so that was one of uh, the reasons. A great book to read around some of that, the around tribalism and, like, kind of history of the church, um, is called The Color of Compromise. Um, I, I highly recommend that to um, everybody. So I know that was a lot of information, but I just thought it was important that, People heard that there's some nuance to even the term evangelical because sometimes people said to me, like, I think I'm an evangelical, but I don't want to be that. Right. And so even folks that kind of um, – actually, someone, Lauren on staff, was just saying that the other day. Like, I asked her, like, do you consider yourself an evangelical? And what would you say? And she d- did a great job of describing how she would talk about it. She goes, but I also don't want to be associated with, like, that part of it. And so – there is some nuance there that really matters when we start talking about this. Yeah. I uh, am greatly tempted to over-defend the term evangelical. Like I'm constantly, cause I'm the kind of person who's like, no, I'm not going to change my thing. You change your thing. I'm not going to, you know, like I, you know, uh, like just with people referring to me as straight edge and like, people are always like, come on, aren't you a little old for that? 
because they associate it with like 19 year old kids that run around and get into fights sure. and do this, that, and the other. I'm like, no, this still means the same thing to me as it always did. I'm not changing my thing. Like you, <laughs> you change the way you think about it. I'm not going to change my like term. And I do that with evangelicalism. And I got to the point where it was like, I was spending large amounts of my time on social media, chiming in on everything that said evangelicals do this and evangelicals do that yeah. to say like, well, actually this word means blah, blah, blah. Um, I do think that that's worthwhile, uh, but also maybe don't put all of your energy into like, it's, it's just a term. <laughs> I do, it, but I do think it's like a term that we should want to win back. I agree with that. I would <laughs> you know, I agree with that. No, but I agree with like not having like defended at every turn and all right. that stuff. But like, there's like a, there's like a part of me that's like, you know what though? Like, I'm tired of the narrative of like Christians have done all this bad stuff. I'm like, do you know how many like good how many good things Christians have done? Yes, there's yeah. been clearly atrocious things that have happened, but my gosh, like the amount of good things evangelical Christians have done far outweigh the bad. And I'm always like fascinated how no one ever brings up all the atheist atrocities and that have happened throughout the world, <laughs> you know, and all the things that like non Christians have done that actually far outweigh more bad than good right like and so in terms of when you look at the full scope of what history has presented so well, and it's just the thing of like again back to semantics if being a christian is acting like christ and you took your sword and your shield and you hacked a bunch of people to death because they wouldn't convert you're not a christian <laughs> Correct. so you can't yeah i don't know like i don't feel like those tallies should be on <laughs> us but um it's true you know it's funny listening to you go through all that and thank you like that was awesome uh i don't feel like it was long that's like the kind of podcast i want to listen to <laughs> so i'm like pretty into it um one thought that came to my mind repeatedly was like what is this through line of like in the modern world why do we keep getting why do we christians keep getting in the bed of the empire when we're ex- expressly told in the bible not to do that and it seems like there's from Reagan to Trump um, specifically, I think those those two guys, uh, there's this thing of like, I'll give you a voice like you were talking about, like Reagan was pro voted very pro-life as a governor or, or like um, governed very pro. I'm sorry, pro-choice as a governor. Right. And then yeah. all of a sudden was the pro-life candidate. And it was because I think he told um, Christians in this country the same thing that Trump did, which is I'll take you seriously and I'll give you a voice. And so it's like I can just hear the church kind of um, both on the fundamentalist and the evangelical side, the Jerry Falwell and the Billy Graham side, both wanting people to take them seriously and wanting a voice. But doesn't the Bible tell us that like this wisdom will be foolishness to the world? Like, why do we want that so bad? That's like an open question. Like, ask yourself that. Why do you want that so bad? And I also think that I, you know, I've been listening to a lot of stuff about and reading a lot of stuff about first century martyrdom and the first century and the first three centuries where like before Constantine. And I do wonder sometimes if we as Christians have this sort of you hear about um, generational memories like ingrained in your DNA. You hear about this from like um, minority groups a lot. Like it's ingrained in my DNA to be this way. Or like Joy, when she was on uh, during our abortion uh, series, she talked about like how the fear and anger of um, men like is ingrained in her DNA. I do wonder if it's like generationally in our DNA to be afraid to be persecuted again, to be afraid of being burned at the stake, to be afraid of being thrown to the lions. Though, again, it's pretty clear that that's what that we're we should expect that and and should take glory in that or whatever. But it seems like that, it seems like what are we willing to give up? Because look, again, 
If it was just about abortion, then it would be a much cleaner history in the 60s and 70s, and people would want Mike Pence to be president. If it was just about X, Y, Z, then it would there would be an easier answer here. And it makes me wonder if like what this is really just about is we're all afraid of being cha- of being like persecuted in the way that we we may sometimes persecute other people. And so that when somebody comes to us and says, Hey, I'll make sure you're, you know, like I may be awful, (laughs) but I'll make sure you're not persecuted. We jump at the chance. And that's so counter. I'm sorry, but it's counter to what the Bible says. Uh, Yeah. We are, you know, we are to take glory and joy in our persecution. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like Paul and Peter talk about that all the time. Like you suffered. Cool. I mean, mean, they're they're really so matter of fact about it. It's almost frightening. (laughs) Like when you read it, but I, there's a comfort level, like the kingdoms and empires offer you comfort and, and that's what they're going to do. And, and all of us, like, I mean, all of us love comfort. Like I, there's not a person around that I know of that isn't like, like, you know what? It is kind of nice, you know, to be able to do this or do that. We can phrase it under, well, we want what's best for people, but truly it's about comfort because, um, even when you, uh, I just looked this up cause I was like, man, what is you're talking? You know, I, I read part of this passage on Sunday, but the verse I didn't read, but in First Peter 1, it says this in verse 15, it says, It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. So even that in and of itself, you realize our job is not to get laws in place. And listen, government can do really good things. Like I, and So this isn't an anti-government thing. But our job as Christians is to live honorable lives in such a way that when someone makes a dumb accusation against Christianity or about you as a person, people around are like, that's not them. That's not how Matt acts. Like, he's a good dude who like loves Jesus a lot. And and so I think we've gotten so far away from that because I to your point, there is a fear of persecution. There is a fear of like what what if I can't do what I want to do, you know, and someone uh this was probably two years ago now, I was in a conversation with somebody and they said, Well what if someday you you can't just freely meet in the church. And I said, well, I mean, first of all, that would suck because like, I really do love the ability to meet together on Sundays. I said, but you know what I find comfort in? That literally billions of people are currently going through this right now and have in the past. And every time that happens, like people get so serious about following Jesus that it becomes so dang attractive to people that don't know him that the kingdom of God expands like crazy. Would I like for the kingdom of God to expand without persecution? Sure. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I don't, I don't want to get beaten or beheaded or whatever. But at the same time, we have to be in a space that says, if that's what needs to happen for everything to flip on its head so that the life and word of Jesus can be boldly proclaimed the way that it should be, then I guess that's what has to happen. I don't pray for that to happen, but... It, if that's what has to, then that's what has to happen. Mm, heavy, heavy thoughts. Um, well, um, I wonder if we're going to break this up into two parts. I don't know. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> Thanks so much, John. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I pre- well, I just feel like you really, uh, you really had had 
you brought a lot of facts to the to the table <laughs> and I was going to be all feelings and I'm glad it wasn't both of us. So thanks for today. Um, and thanks to everybody out there for listening. Um, if you have questions, comments, concerns, quips, quotes, or suggestions for future topics, although I'm pretty sure we're good on, like, <laughs> we're good. we got a lot of stuff to talk about, yeah. but go ahead. And Send them in anyway, though. We Send love, them in, yeah. We love hearing the comments. Yeah, and we, we may actually, uh, we're, we're sort of heading toward maybe doing, like, a, a quick, like, email roundup episode where we spend an hour, like, answering some emails. So if you have any of those things, send them to stay curious at hillcityrva.com. Um, if you get a second, we would love it if you would rate and review us. Um, thanks to everybody who's done that so far. It helps our ranking to go up in Apple Podcasts and Spotify so that other people can listen to the show. Um, and if you would share it on social media, that would be amazing. Um, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And until next time, make sure to stay curious.